This is episode five, and I'm joined as always by the uh, masterful Paul Rogers. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. How are you today, mate? Yeah, good. How are you? Yeah, good. I'm looking forward to this uh, episode, actually, because today we're going to talk about the uh, sexy topic of the EU Payment Services Directive, PSD2, um, which came into effect in September 2019. We're going to be looking at what it is, why it is, and what impact it will have on re um, retailers and merchants. And it's an incredibly important topic um, because payment security is essential for anyone trading online. And there's quite a few myths out there in the marketplace about what it is, what impact it's going to have. So a few horror stories about it. it's going to kill people's revenue and conversion. So we're going to speak to specialists today and try and debunk some of those myths and provide you with practical advice. So delighted to welcome Fred Potter from Agen as our guest. Um, Agen is a leading payment um, a technology provider working across a wide range of uh, clients, uh, including a lot of retail e-commerce companies. So welcome, Fred. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, good morning. Nice to be here. Uh, do you want to give a bit of an introduction about yourself, what your role is, and also, you know, what, who are Agen? What does Agen do and how did it get started? Yeah, sure. So myself, I've been working in payments for about five years now. Uh, previously on the issuing side, uh, now I've moved over to the acquiring side. Um, and I, I, I basically sit on the product team at Agen, um, looking, at, um, looking after various products in the UK, specifically more relevant to today, our 3D Secure 2 protocol which is obviously being rolled out to our merchant base. Um, Agen itself was founded in 2006 by a group of entrepreneurs that came from a company called Bibit that were later sold to RBS. And <clears throat> one, of the, one of the things that they wanted, or I guess got frustrated in, in the payments uh, world was the fragmentation of the payment space, the patchwork of different systems. And Agen was founded, um, Agen literally means start over again in Sur Sur Surinamese. <laughs> and Agen was founded with, I guess, the, the idea to combat that patchwork and combat that fragmentation. Uh, we are one platform that merchants integrate to. We connect di directly to card schemes and we are a processor and acquirer for merchants locally and globally for both uh, cards and local payments. Excellent. Thanks very much. It gives a good flavour of, of, of Agen and, and where it stands in the market. So we're going to start with a bit of scene setting. Um, so what I'd first I'd like you to do before we talk about the impact on retailers, can you give us uh, an intro to what are the changes that are happening under the new Payment Services Directive? And also just let's explain the acronyms because there's lots of acronyms flying around like SCA, 3DS2, etc. So yeah, what, what are the key changes and what do these acronyms mean? Yeah, so the... Second Payment Service Directive is a very chunky piece of legislation that is being implemented over multiple years. It's probably important to note that it does touch on various other areas, not just uh, strong customer authentication, which we're talking about today. It also has um, regulation of marketplaces and the flow of funds and how the marketplaces should avoid being in the flow of funds, for example. Um, as well as topics such as surcharging, so essentially charging consumers for using credit cards, for example. So it's a very kind of wide um, reaching piece of regulation. Um, the bit that I think is more relevant today is the strong customer authentication requirements. In essence, what it is, is it's a regulation to provide strong customer authentication, SEA, commonly known or commonly shortened to SEA on e-commerce transactions where the uh, issuer, so the shopper's card issuer, so the shopper's bank, and the merchant acquirer are both located in the European economic area. Strong customer authentication is currently defined as either 3D Secure version 1 or 3D Secure version 2. Um, 3DS1, um, just in, in layman terms, is when you, you, know, you, you complete your checkout, at the, at the, you're completing the merchant checkout, 
you get redirected to your bank's page and yeah. either you type in a static password or the page just disappears if your bank trusts it. Yep. Yeah. Um, so that that's kind of, I guess, a explanation of the regulation as a, as a whole. And how? What's the difference between 3ds one and two? Is it a fundamental process shift or? Yeah, so they are entirely different protocols. So 3ds1 is a redirection from a page. So you're always redirected to the um, issuer's environment. Um, we traditionally, that flow has been, or it's been seen as having really low conversion on mobile phones, for example, because you know, more timeouts, the, the screen pages aren't necessarily adapted for the mobile phone environment. 3 d Secure 2 is a much more improved protocol. So it is native, what we call native authentication, so no redirections. It's an iframe that gets rendered on the checkout page of the merchant, and the authentication occurs in a two-factor form. So essentially using two different bits of information about yourself to verify that the transaction is legitimate. Um, the most common form of authentication being one-time passwords delivered to your phone, for example. Oh, okay, in real time. To enable you to exactly yeah rather than a static password that yep. you type you know that you sign up with your bank and you you forget after you know a few months it's real-time authentication and the and the data is consistently updating or the forms of authentication are consistently updating okay excellent and are sca and 3ds the same or is 3ds part of sa how can merchants kind of debunk this to understand what the relationships are between all these different acronyms yeah so sca is Strong, obviously, it stands for strong customer authentication. Uh, currently defined as 3D Secure One, we do, I think, expect that to eventually be classified as only 3D Secure okay. Two. Um, but for the time being, to allow merchants uh, more room to be ready, uh, it is currently both versions of 3D Secure One and Two okay. are classified as strong customer authentication. But the term is more general, I think, to allow for new forms of authentication in the future rather than just saying it has to be 3D secured. I get you, so yeah, so at the moment it's only 3D secured, but that doesn't mean that it won't change in the future, therefore merchants need to keep on top and keep having those conversations with their payment providers to understand where that's moving. Exactly. Okay, that makes sense. And how about the impact on retailers? So retailers understand there's PSD2, there's SCA, have they got to do anything fundamentally different? Uh, is there anything that they need to change in how they are managing their websites? I think when we talk about impact, the most common form of or definition of impact for a retailer is conversion loss. Yeah. So essentially, how many customers will I lose because I'm adding an extra step to the checkout, that extra verification check? <clears throat> I think when you look at impact, it really depends on what the merchant setup is today. So merchants currently that are maybe applying 3D Secure on all of their transactions will see much less of an impact than merchants that are applying no 3D Secure, for example. We also look at, I think, merchants' business model. So recurring merchants or subscription merchants, such as you know, Spotify and Netflix, will have different requirements and therefore different impacts under 3DS or, sorry, under PSD2 than a one-off e-commerce merchant. And then finally, I think elements such as transaction value will also have an impact. So we know that through exemptions, which I'll talk a little bit about in a minute, uh, lower value transactions will be less affected than higher value transactions, for example. So 
there are lots of different elements, including your PSP and, and, and acquirer setup that will impact or will determine how much impact the regulation has on your sort of day-to-day business. Yeah, and I think this is a really key point is, is not to, to read any articles out there that are saying your business will be impacted by X without doing the validation piece and understanding currently you know, how I think this is, you know, a lot of people do turn on and off um, 3ds1 depending on whether it's device specific or whether it's based on a card or a customer they trust yeah. so therefore yeah, the level of impact will, will vary um, linked to that before we talk about the exemptions and out-of-scope transactions which is going to be I think really interesting to people is risk side so when compliance um, changes come in often there can be risk associated um, or punitive um, uh, you know, problems for people. GDPR, for example, people can be fined if they're in, um, in breach of it. Is there any liability shift here? Are merchants liable um, to any fines or punishment if there's a lack of compliance or a problem with the, the process around payments? The regulation currently is issuer facing. So essentially it deals with the bank side of things. The, there are, I think there's a possibility of merchant facing mandates that will come in from the schemes but as, as as we sit here today there are there is nothing official from the schemes that's been announced the main risk for retailers and other merchants are is essentially a, a, an increase in decline so if you as a merchant are not ensuring that you are authentication transactions that fit the criteria then you you run the real risk of your transactions being declined by the yeah. issuing bank and MasterCard and Visa and other schemes have implemented specific decline codes for transactions that don't get authenticated, which essentially goes along the lines of SCA required. So if you then as a merchant receive that decline code and are not able to essentially implement logic to then prompt an authentication, then you're in real danger of losing that transaction altogether. So I guess then from a development point of view, developers need to understand those changes to the authentication codes and there might be some process, incremental processes put in place around checkout for some merchants and if they're not already doing that or... Incremental or, in... So as in if, you, if, if there are new status codes, does that mean that developers need to think about doing something differently based on a new status code or again, would that be handled at the moment with the payment gateways and the issues? Yeah, that's a good question, actually. So it depends on what your acquirer setup is. So if your acquirer doesn't have logic to apply 3D Secure when that bank requires it, then you as a merchant will need to know when to apply 3D Secure. And you essentially have to trust that the issuer is sending back the right code, which we know historically issuers don't send it back. Mm. The most accurate decline codes, for instance, 05 do not honor is the most common decline code. It doesn't tell us a huge amount about why the transaction was declined. So if if your gateway doesn't have any logic or doesn't help you to present 3D Secure at the right moments, then yes, you as a merchant would have to ingest a decline code, which is SCA required, trust that the bank sent it correctly, and then apply 3D Secure on that transaction. With Agent, it works slightly differently. So we have logic that's platform-wide, which essentially applies 3D Secure to a payment when we know that that bank mandates it. So what we do is we look at platform-wide data. So we look at bin-level data, so that's the bank identification number, which is the first six digits of any card. And that we we look at bin data platform-wide because we know that typically issuers tend to build logic on bin-level or build bin level logic. So we look at a specific bin and we 
do an analysis in real time of whether that bin requires authentication or not. And essentially that is looking at platform-wide data and transactions going through on that bin. And if we notice that no transactions are approved when there is no 3D secure, then we will automatically apply 3D secure on that bin for that merchant, if that makes sense. Yeah, that, that does. Yeah. And that's really nice actually to have that process automation, or I can't even speak this morning, <laughs> automation within the platform to decide when you have to apply a protocol and knowing, I guess it's a scoring mechanism to know that the likelihood of this being a failure if we don't do this. Essentially, yeah, we, we, we make it, we make sure that we are um, relative well, or it's quite accurate in that prediction. So it will have to be a high number of declines with no 3D secure to ensure that yeah. we push 3D secure on that transaction. Just a slightly tangential, but something that just popped into my head actually is, some retailers, especially um, those with, with um, large transaction volumes and those who work in markets where there's higher incidence of fraud, so false fashion is a classic example, turn to additional fraud management tools like Signified on top of their, their like payment stack. Have you seen any evidence or do you think this might nudge more people to use something like a Signified or do you think the, 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 what the payment gamers like Agin are doing actually gives people enough reassurance to not think so much about going down that additional fraud protection route? I can't comment for external fraud providers. I think the main, the main change of the regulation is, is when merchants need to push transactions to 3D secure and when they don't. Whether external fraud providers are providing that data to merchants, I'm not entirely sure, but I think the main, the main goal for the merchant has to be to ensure that they are compliant. Yeah. And what I've seen, where I've seen these fraud providers come in and provide value is essentially on, on managing fraud, so transaction level fraud, rather than the 3D secure mechanism. Yeah, I get you. So they are related, but not the same thing. And yeah, exactly. There's a decision exactly. on whether it adds value and gives you additional protection. Exactly. Presumably, yeah. if, um, if someone's gone through um, 3D uh, secure too, um, at that point, you take the risk anyway, so they're less likely to then want to push it through something like Riskified or Signified. So when someone, so when a transaction has gone through Secure, the who, who's taking the risk? Sorry. So as so the payment provider um, would essentially be, or the bank would essentially be liable. Yeah, the, the bank's liable. Yeah, in that case. Yeah. So cool. for things like chargebacks. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. so for okay. fraudulent, so chargebacks with a fraudulent reason. Yes. Yeah. So. Essentially, I didn't recognize or I don't recognize this transaction. Anytime a transaction goes through through secure and is successfully authenticated, the liability goes to the issuing yes. bank and yeah. transfers from the merchant to the issuing bank. Yeah, and that make that makes sense. Um, excellent. So one of the other things we want to talk about is what's the difference between exemptions and out-of-scale transactions? Because again, read a lot of information about this. There are times when um, you know, compliant payment um, uh, gateways can make a decision about when a transaction is out of scope and therefore doesn't need SCA, etc. Could you just talk people through that? What, what, what does out, out of uh, scope mean? What are the exemptions? So out of scope are essentially transactions that don't fall within the mandate. So I mentioned earlier that the mandate is on uh, online transactions where the issuing to the shopper's bank and the merchant acquirer are both based or located within the European Economic Area. So out of scope transactions are things like inter-regional transactions. So that is where you might have a 
transaction from a card that's issued in, in the US, for example. So we call they're also referred to as one leg out. Um, another example out of scope is uh, mail order telephone order. So Moto transactions commonly, so where the customer is not able to authenticate because they might be on the phone, for example. Uh, MIT, so merchant initiated transactions. So they are subscription payments. So think of a sort of Spotify subscription, for example. Those are out of scope of the regulation, um, as long as that first sign up is authenticated. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. Um, and then I think the final out of scope uh, category is anonymous cards. So, you know, non-reloadable non prepaid cards, for example, where the issuing bank just simply doesn't, or the, there's no information on the customer, um, but the values are, are low and the limits are low on those types of cards. Okay, so you said the Moto, the mail order telephone. So, so if a e-commerce team has bought a platform which gives a contact center capability, so customer service can enter orders direct into that e-commerce platform admin, those orders are currently placed by the customer service team are currently out of scope versus customer going into the front end and placing an order. That's right, yeah. Okay, and it, is there any murmurings of whether that will be brought into scope with things like doing two-factor authentication through like mobile devices through one-time codes, or is that distant thought not yet it's not being considered? I, it's not too distant. So 3D Secure versions that we have today is 3D Secure 2.0. Yep. There is 3D Secure version 2.1. Uh, Visa released their technical documentation only, I think, this week. And <clears throat> what, what I think we're seeing is a reaction to the regulation that is building a framework to allow, you know, 90% or plus business models to be compliant within um, 3D Secure 2 requirements. And what I think we will see more and more in the future is a enhancement of that framework. So whether it means bringing Moto transactions in-house or making them more secure, because the essence of the re regulation is to make online transactions more secure for customers. And we've seen rising fraud levels you know, consistently. So we know that Moto tends to be high risk area, so it's feasible that Moto might be looked at in more detail as an area as we go forward, but as of today, it's it's an out of scope transaction, and merchants yeah, okay. are able to to continue transacting as they do. Okay, that's good. I mean, it's nice for people to, to understand the delineation of what what is required now versus what might be in scope later on. Uh, and how ready do you think retailers are? So I, I remember working on sites um, when the original um, PSD um, stuff came in, when you had loads of problems with especially mobile conversion being absolutely destroyed by clunky processes that didn't work and depending on which bank the experience was different even on desktop it was a bit of a minefield to get a page that worked seamlessly uh, i don't think a lot of a retailers weren't ready for it yeah B, I, I don't think the the people providing all the payment services and the banks certainly weren't so from a retailer point of view do you think retailers are more ready uh, given your experience of working across a load of merchants how clued up do you think people are on this Readiness in the industry is a really big topic and it's obviously really hard to apply a blanket approach. We're seeing different types of companies, different sizes of companies being ready. Um, you know, large technology providers were some of the first on, at least with Agen to transact and use 3D Secure 2. I think the, it's probably important to say that the PSD2 um, and the the, the enforcement of the regulation or the date that the regulation was enforced was and still remains the 14th of September 2019. Yeah. What we're in now is a managed rollout phase. So 
the EBA, which is the European Banking Association, which is essentially the organization that is overseeing the implementation of the regulation, back in June essentially allowed each member state to, uh, well, this was under, I think, under the, in, in the conditions at the time were that we, we knew that not all parties in the industry were going to be ready. So back in June, they allowed each member state to implement their own kind of timeline as to when they could, when they could roll out. Some, some states like uh, France and the UK, for example, actually already came out with um, some uh, draft plans. So the UK is an 18 month rollout plan, for example. Um, and then we noticed that the EBA probably about a month ago um, essentially released their own timeline as to what, you know, as to how each country could achieve to man manage rollout. So we're kind of in an interesting scenario now where you've got some countries that will likely follow the EBA opinion of, um, I think it's 31st of December, uh, 2020. And you've got countries like the UK and France that have their own rollout plan that aren't necessarily in sync with the EBA. So, and then also you've always got the possibility of issuers within a certain country, not reacting in, in line with their own country's regulation. Yeah. So you've got a really kind of fragmented market in Europe and obviously a very sort of difficult um, environment for retailers to, to navigate. I guess the big challenge is for retailers that are working across different countries where they might be taking payments from people all around Europe, the European um, area impacted, of understanding which payment providers they're using and whether across the base they are covered <laughs> and whether there is local issues that need to be followed up as a priority. Yeah, exactly. I think retailers' main focus is obviously their own business. Um, payments is often a... a I guess peripheral part of any of, of any of a retailer's or any sort of traditional merchant's interest and let alone the regulation behind payments it, you know it really is something that um, most merchants are really not prepared to face in terms of the complexity of, of the rollout at the moment. Yeah and I, I think I guess one of the key takeaways from today is it's not just understanding what this is and what the impact is but also making sure that you've done a proper audit of your payment process and across all of your websites, countries, customer bases to know if there's any gaps where an issuer might not be providing you the coverage and what their plans are. Because if you've already got 80% coverage, you don't want to be having to have conversations for no reason. You want to focus on where there's an issue. Yeah, exactly. And I think the, the advice that we're giving, the advice that we're giving merchants is really make sure you can perform at least three to secure one, because yeah. as we know that that's a compliant version. I mentioned earlier about um, how we're helping retailers use 3D Secure only in scenarios where the issuer mandates it. So merchants that are transacting with Agin can use their own or can maintain their current logic as to when they want to use 3D Secure. It might be on higher value, higher risk transactions, for example. And then Agin will apply the authentication as and when the issuers start mandating it across Europe. So we're essentially taking away the responsibility responsibility of the merchant to, to have a kind of managed rollout across all of the countries that they transact in. Um, and I guess thinking about this from um, an integration perspective or from a client kind of development perspective, um, if I am a merchant and I'm using Magenta or Salesforce, a platform um, where I'm using a module, um, how will this affect me? Do I need to kind of upgrade the module? And from an integration perspective, like how do I handle the kind of on-site elements as well? Like, will it be an iframe or do I have to do any additional development work? <coughs> yeah, so the, 
I guess it's probably good to separate out into uh, re what we call redirect authentication flows and native authentica authentication flows. So redirect are what I mentioned before, 3 skill version one. Yep. So it's Agen, if you're using 3 skill version one today, Agen has a version control on that. So if, if we notice that the issuing bank is enrolled for 3 Secure 2 and has a good um, conversion rate, we'll redirect to a 3 Secure 2 yep. uh, page. And then it's also good to differentiate between, so then I guess you move on to merchants that want native authentication flow. So no redirect yeah. iframe rendering on the checkout page. So for merchants using uh, plugins and so modules such as Magento or any of the other platforms that we support um, as, as kind of ready-made modules, we simply ask merchants to upgrade to the latest version of that module, um, which obviously isn't a huge amount of technical work. And then for the merchants that aren't using modules, maybe using their own platform of it integrated separately, we have a set of pre pre preset components that manage a lot of the logic behind the authentication flows. Um, so we've really tried to make it as easy as possible for merchants, uh, are you, uh, you know, transacting with Agin to achieve those native flows. Okay, makes sense. And I guess, um, do you think this will be an industry-wide thing or is Agin likely to uh, kind of be a bit beyond some of the other providers out there? Obviously, that's a bit of a tough question. Yeah, it's a really tough question. There are a lot of providers in the space. Yeah. I think a lot of different um, technological capabilities. I believe Agem were, if not the first, or one of the first uh, PSPs to certify our 3DS2 uh, SDK yeah. on server. So we know that we are, you know, if not leading, certainly yeah, quite quite far ahead in the, in the race to um, enable this technology for merchants yeah. but yeah there really is a lot of variety in the industry so I couldn't, I couldn't comment for other, okay. other providers and um and James has already touched on this um earlier but so so far the people that you've seen that have kind of been early adopters and have introduced uh 3d secure 2.0 um how have you have you seen any data that kind of suggests that it's more performant than 3d secure um one or that maybe it's kind of because it's a bit of an unknown that it's maybe had a negative impact on conversion like how have you have you seen anything so far that kind of indicates any change in performance it's really probably too early to yeah. say so we know that there are very few banks out there that have proper 3ds2 flows we see a lot of enrollment for 3d secure but not necessarily banks that are able to um manage the entire two-factor two authentication flow. Uh, I think we, when you talk about customer experience and how that will be impacted, I think that will depend a lot on the merchant setup. So are you using a native or a redirect? So are you asking that customer to go off of your page or can they yeah. stay on your page and authenticate? And the second thing that would be really, really important is which bank you use. So uh, banks with a lot of up-to-date customer information, banks like Monzo, Revolut, you know, all of the more digital banks, they require you to have a phone number yeah. to use those banks. So obviously they've got much more updated records and will t tend to have um, better authentication flows. And a lot of them are using those kind of authentic authentication flows anyway. Um, and then obviously, so the, I guess the user experience in that sense is, is really reliant on your bank because they are essentially the ones that control how you authenticate um, and which, which, which data points you're using to authenticate. Okay, and long term, do you think from an authentication perspective, do you think it will become a more seamless process for the end user? <clears throat> the goal of the uh, regulation and the 3ds2 protocol is actually um, 
generally quite a good one. So it allows it, first of all, it opens up an API between the issuing bank and the merchant, that's acquirer. So customer data can be shared, um, importantly customer data such as the device fingerprint and lots of other uh, fraud data that's used in essentially allowing that issuer to make a better decision as to the risk factor of that on a transaction level basis. And then once they need to, once they can make that analysis and they decide that they maybe do need to step up, um, it should be the forms of authentication should improve because yeah. you know you've got native forms of authentication, you've got um, better data points to use. So the goal in that sense is twofold. It's not just can it not just allows issuers to make or should allow issuers to make better decisions as to when to authenticate. But when they do need to authenticate, the flows by which they're authenticating should also improve. Yeah, I think that will take a few months, maybe years to fully realize. And I didn't really speak much about exemptions, but exemptions are essentially um, particular, uh, I guess, criteria that transactions can meet to not go through authentication. I think those will also become really, really important as this rollout take, uh, gathers pace because it essentially allows issuers um, with the increased amount of data that they have on customers to make better decisions as to when to yeah. apply exemptions and when not to. Um, and then just a final piece on that, exemption handling is will, be, will become very important for merchants as well because we know that issuers will react differently or more favorably or less favorably to certain exemptions. So having a PSV or acquirer that can apply for or, or have logic to apply for exemptions on your behalf as a merchant is important if you want to ensure the most amount of conversion or the least amount of conversion loss um, by using the best or the yeah. most adequate exemptions. Excellent, that's been really useful. Um, one, one final question for me, where can people go if they want to read more? Uh, I know that Agen's got loads of resources. What, what are the most popular resources that you guys got that help people who are at the coalface, you know, merchant side to, to <clears> understand <throat> a bit more about this? It, I think it depends on what level of understanding you want to have. There are lots of merchant facing publications, really useful guides from Visa, MasterCard, and you know, okay. the, the other schemes. If you want, I guess, may, maybe drier, but more factual material, places like the FCA website or the European Banking Association website are also useful. And then as you, as you mentioned there, PSPs have quite um, merchant friendly communications and you should always, I think, some of the best, you know, some of the, some of the best information is always taken from conversations with your PSP partner. You know, speak to your account manager, speak to the product team at your PSP. You know, they should be able to help you or guide you through your specific setup because I think, as we as we mentioned before, the the variety of setups within the merchant space is really huge. So it's it's really not going to be a a one size fits all in terms of. Um, integration for merchants. Sensible advice. Um, so yeah, just a huge thank you for uh, coming on, taking the time to clarify PSD2. Um, I know that, that I've personally gained plenty of practical insights. I, I'm sure it will have clarified things for, for listeners as well. So thanks for taking the time to do that. Uh, and thanks to our, our listeners as always for tuning in. Uh, keep your eyes peeled. The next podcast coming up will be on project management, looking at um, things to do with effectively managing development cycles and releases. So it should be another very useful one. And if you'd like inbox updates to, to stay ahead of what's coming up, please go to replatform.fm forward slash subscribe and uh, add yourself to the newsletter. Any other parting comments, gents?
Um, I don't think so. I think that was really useful. Um, definitely, like you say, very practical. Um, particularly enjoyed uh, kind of learning more about the kind of upgrade path for merchants and kind of what needs to be done from a technical perspective. Um, so yeah, thanks for coming on. Great. Cheers, Cheers. everyone. Thanks. Have a wonderful day, everyone.